With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and pleased to be joined by Grace Harmon here as we take your questions in the mailbag. Grace, um, a lot going on. I mean, we had more go on this week than we thought, so uh, plenty to talk about here in the mailbag. What do you have to lead us off with? All right, from y'all's point of view, what is the uh, one thing that Scott Frost and the staff have to do better in year three than year two? <laughs> Win. Um, no, I, I think the start of the season is key. Um, I go back to even, you know, Mike Riley didn't have a lot of good moments, but just the, the one good year he had, year two, um, in 2016, they got off to a 7-0 and start, and that got Nebraska in the top 10 for a month when they weren't a top 10 team, as we now know. Uh, but I, I think that opening seven games, if he could have just a momentum-filled start where they get off to maybe a 6-1 and one start or something of that caliber, that would be, to me, what they really need more than anything is to get the momentum so they can kind of get some confidence in the program and learn how to win again. I think they need to establish an offensive identity. Uh, it seems like they've been scrambling to figure out uh, how this thing is going to work at Nebraska for two <laughs> years now. And so, uh, and that starts for me with the running game. Uh, I think that was a big reason why they made the change with offensive coordinator and also promoting Greg Austin to run game coordinator was to establish, uh, like I said, an, an identity of how to run the football. Cause it seemed like they just didn't know how to do it. They were trying to run to the outside and, you know, didn't know how to use Adrian in the QB run game. And so now I think that that is going to help uh, maybe establish a base of what this offense needs to be because this Frost and his staff were hired here for offense. And right now it hasn't been nearly good enough. So it starts there. And the next layer to it is it starts with the run game. Yeah. I could not agree more with that, Robin. I, and, you know, to kind of piggyback off that, I guess, or pivot off that, I, I guess I would say uh, special teams has to ha- be a huge improvement. Um, you know, they, they made a change there and they, they decided to go kind of the analyst route with uh, John Rutledge kind of running things behind the scenes and all the other coaches are going to be, uh, you know, highly involved with that as well. I think that's got to be an area of the game that improves uh, greatly uh, for, for this team to kind of take that next step. All right, with the departure of Noah Vedral, how do they use his open scholarship this season and the upcoming recruiting season? Well, Nebraska right now only has, I believe, two that they can use um, for initials that would count for this 2020 season. So they're, it's not like you know they, they have technically like five openings right now. They can't, and J.D. Spielman could be in there as well. So they can't use like all of them on transfers for this upcoming year. So two is the max, guys, they can add. I look for Luke Reimer, maybe a Cade Warner to go on scholarship. Um, maybe um, the the punter uh, William Price step if he wins the job would go on scholarship. Um, you know we don't know what the place kicker situation is going to look like. Could a guy that wins the kicking job go on a one year scholarship? So I think you're going to probably see some of that. Um, and I'm probably missing a name or two, Robin or Nate, um, on scholarship names. Um, boy, yeah. I think that kind of I think that kind of covers yeah those are probably the, the prime most the obvious guys yeah. at least um, yeah 
yeah, I, I think there's like four guys that they could put on, um, you know, in in one year type of deals. If not, you know, who, who knows? Like a Cade Warner and a and a Ryan Rod, I think they would probably be permanent scholarships right now. Yeah. So you think they would lean more towards a, a longer term investment, like uh, a Rhymer, whoever it may be, or would it be like a one year kind of play? I think gap I think there's different ways. Like White Mazur was given one year one, yeah, and gotcha. you know, and so like you could probably have a Rhymer and a Warner go on permanent ones. And then you might have three or four that could just be one years and not not guarantee it because you're obviously going to want those numbers. And I think with the way the portal and the way college football's changed, um, you know, you have to almost sign 25 every year now. You dude. have to, yeah. I mean, I, I just think now with the new transfer rule that's going to eventually come into play, um, you know, your attrition is going to be crazy. Yeah, attrition is going to be ridiculous. And so if you're not signing at least 25 guys a year, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Um, you know, I guess another name could be Nuri Nueli, the offensive lineman. Um, for year two of yeah, his for career. for year two of his career. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that you have absolutely have to sign 25 a year. Um, you know, it, to me, the maybe the bigger question is, you know, do they, um, you know, do they have how many quarterbacks do they have to take now in this class? Um, you know, or or you know, could they have gotten away without taking one, and now they absolutely have to take one? I think that that definitely impacts maybe the direction they were going to go with the the twenty twenty one quarterback recruiting. All right, Sean, you kind of mentioned Spielman with a potential open scholarship. Speaking of him, have you heard anything on his return or not return? I'm not anticipating him coming back. If I had a guess today, um, I know. Um, the dialogue has been really minimal, next to none, between him and Nebraska since they've left. Um, I, I think in May, the the thought is they'll have another discussion of where things are at. But um, the the transfer rule is not going to go into effect. Um, it's, that's my understanding. The the coaches in the game with COVID nineteen don't want the one time transfer rule to happen this year because there's already going to be a mess of things going on with COVID nineteen and just trying to stage a season, let alone maybe 20 of your players deciding to leave a program and get immediately eligibility elsewhere. So um, for him to play elsewhere, he's not going to graduate that we, that we know of right now. Um, he would have to get a waiver um, in order to play somewhere else next year. So that will be what will be interesting. If he doesn't come back to Nebraska, will he look or pursue a waiver opportunity? And, you know, Nebraska also has to sign off on a waiver. So they, you know, are, are they just going to, openly allow a guy to possibly go to a Big Ten West rival like Minnesota. There's a lot there to think about right now. Yeah, but that's the interesting part to this whole deal is I know schools are kind of operating as if waivers are going to be given out like candy this year. Basically, as long, all you have to do is put COVID-19 in your waiver request and go through the proper channels, and the NCAA is going to have so much on its hands that they're just going to say, you know what, cool, you, you, you at least submitted the paperwork the right way. It's got COVID-19 in it. We're going to grant you a waiver. And so I think that um, actually opens the door, even regardless of what happens with that one-time transfer rule. Uh, this this offseason in particular, just with the current situation, I think that there's going to be a lot of guys that maybe wouldn't get waiver, waivers otherwise that are going to be granted them. And there's going to be some on the Nebraska's basketball team that are going to benefit from that as well. Yeah, I wonder if, if Spielman would have been better off waiting 
uh, for all this to come out, you know, uh, as far as why he initially left the program uh, to just being able to, to kind of rely on using that, the COVID-19 excuse or whatever to, to maybe get a waiver. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't anticipate him being back at Nebraska anytime soon. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like his level of commitment or engagement is there to, to want to be a Nebraska Cornhusker in 2020. I mean, that's just my read on it today. I, I don't think he really talks or has much relationship with very many guys left on this team. What do you got next, Grace? All right, got one for Robin. From your years recovering recruiting, um, is it a safer, easier bet to take transfers than it is to take a kid out of high school and develop him? I mean, I guess it, it's hard to say because uh, the transfer portal is um, at the, bi- the biggest it's ever been right now, and it has been that way, uh, getting bigger and bigger every year. Uh, so, and that's high school kids as well. And so you know, I think a lot of with high school kids, you better have the opportunity for them to come in and play right away uh, if you're going to keep them happy. With transfer guys, you know, they aren't necessarily wooed by the glitz and glamour of facilities and, you know, the, the name on the front of the jersey. So I think, honestly, with transfers, you're dealing with guys that older players that know what they want and have a better understanding of the situation they're getting themselves into. So, um, honestly, it, it's hard, to, weird to say, but with transfers, sometimes there's more stability in the sense that, for one, they don't have as many chances to move on to a different school. But two, uh, they're a lot more grounded and mature about the decision they make to come to your school in the first place. All right. Do you guys think there will be a 2020 college football season this year? I believe so. Um, I think it's, it's just figuring it out how, when, and what you do. Um, does it start on time? And if it does, are there fans or no fans? Um, if you delay it, how long do you delay it? Is it a month? Um, you know, I, I looked at the math. If you started on the last Saturday of September, you could play a 12-game regular season, and then the 13th week would be December 19th, which would be your Big Ten title game. So you'd have no, um, you'd have no bye weeks. I mean, that's a possibility. I'm not a fan of this split the season talk or play in the spring. I, I just, but if I mean, I, I get it if, if that's the route you have to go. But I just don't know how many people are going to get behind that. Yeah, I think more realistically is you have uh, an altered schedule to where, you know, maybe your non-conference games, if you still play them, are going to be games. more regional, where you travel is limited, where you can bus and, you know, have better containment uh, of your players. Uh, I think that's there's some logistical things you can do where you can still play those games, but it just will look different. So, yeah, I do believe there's going to be a season. It's just a matter of uh, how they operate it and how much you know travel is impacted by that and what that does to the scheduling uh, as far as this 2020 calendar yeah I, I agree with you there and also you know what it does to the fans are, are fans going to be allowed to to actually watch the games in person or or you know how are they going to control the the crowds and um and all that i i don't know how that's going to look either all right, time for one more, Grace. What do you have? All right, what was y'all's favorite part of the draft this year? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things. I, I just think being in the homes of all these different players and coaches and GMs from Jerry Jones's yacht to Cliff Kingsbury's um, power flex of showing um, his awesome place that he had. The, the, yeah. I mean, who took the picture, by the way? Like, did he hire like yeah. a professional photographer? Yeah, his, his professional Instagram photographer, yeah. That, I mean, that, <laughs> Andy Reid just wearing like a Hawaiian Tommy Bahama shirt at, at his table. I actually really like that part. I thought it was going to be a total disaster, but the fact that we were able to kind of see these coaches in their element a little bit more. And uh, my favorite part was Mike Vrabel 
the, the head coach yes. of the Tennessee Titans. So <laughs> like long shot. And if you look at the background, not only is there a guy dressed up like that, uh, the runner, the sprinter, the freeze, the freeze yeah. <laughs> Some dude wearing the freeze suit. Uh, if you look in the mirror, there's pretty close to a guy looking like he's sitting on the toilet. But he wasn't really sitting on a toilet. So they say. I choose to believe that, yes, he was in there taking care of business while they were making their pick. So, yeah, I mean, there were so many things like that that, uh, I mean, the, the list was endless. And I would honestly think the NFL probably uh, might have to reevaluate the draft process because I think a lot of coaches seem to prefer the way that it was handled this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean considering the, how many people were spread out, I, I felt like it went pretty smooth. Um, I got a good laugh out of the, the Giants draft, Robin. Hey, come on. Um, it, the, the GM wearing the mask inside of his own office, and he's like two feet away from like the world's biggest TV. That, the thing on the table, that had to be like a 70-some-inch TV, and he was like two feet from it. All right, so some backstory. He's 68 years old and is a uh, – recovering from cancer okay, and so now he, i feel like and he's in new york person. so i mean like he is like the most at-risk person and they had someone there filming him so and you was, can tweet him at at nate klaus yeah. he, he wasn't alone in his room which i okay. thought the same thing so I, 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 I had the same reaction i was like embarrassed like what are you doing because he couldn't even figure out how to put the mask yeah, no. on that was the worst part but there was reasons why he was wearing the All mask right. how about the jerry jones phone guy yeah that oh, was good God, too. jerry don't even he's like the villain in every like bond bad guy movie where like like he, he has a guy that like cleans his glasses for him. I saw that would happen at a game, and now he has a guy that holds his phone up to his ear while he talks. Like, give me a break. Were you guys ABC, ESPN, or NFL Network? ESPN. ESPN. I was ABC because of the college guys. I like to see Herb Street and, yeah, and, I, and the, that group of college guys more than – and Trey Wingo, by the way, what did Scott Frost do to oof, him? My man. God, did he – take his high school girlfriend that, back in the day or something? That was I mean, unnecessary, well, yes. And the other thing, too, like the first night especially, every pick was like, oh, and congratulations. And then it's like he had major tragedy. Oh, like, yeah. It was like <laughs> every, it was just like a major downer. It's like after every draft pick, it was like, well, he earned this because his whole family got killed. It's like, yeah. well, Let's find the worst thing that's ever happened to this guy in his <laughs> life and put it right after his 40 times. <laughs> Hey, Goodell was cool too. Watching oh, him, I mean, what, yeah. <laughs> Goodell. But from from pick one to thirty two, that guy really uh, had a drop <laughs> off. Didn't he? <laughs> he lost a lot of steam off that fastball. There, there was the one end. point where he's holding the draft card upside down. He's like slouching, like barely even keeping his eyes open. Man, he, he was, was like the, he was rock, the struggle bus. He was like the rock star that doesn't know what cities he in, he's in. He's like, "Thank you, Cleveland, <laughs> Denver, <laughs> <laughs> whatever." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he forgot what year it was. I mean, he, he had a rough go at it. So hopefully next year, if they do it that way, he, he's got some caffeine on him. All right. Well, did you watch the draft, Grace? I watched parts of it. I worked some, so I didn't have a chance to watch the whole thing. But it was just fun seeing the inside of everybody's homes, seeing the players and their element and... All the embarrassing girlfriend moments were pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, that concludes the mailbag. At that point, we won't get into the girlfriend talk because that could be another few minutes of talk. But uh, when we come back, we'll close the show. More recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.